So church, this morning, um, I wanted to talk to you about uh, the two conflicting worldviews of riches. There's a secular worldview of riches, and then there's a divine worldview of riches. And today I hope to draw clear parallels between the two. Now the purpose of me addressing your, our congregation with this usually unpopular but necessary message is because people who are generously and sacrificially giving need to be affirmed. Those who are drifting from being rich with God need to be encouraged. And those who are unaware of how their financial life impacts their spiritual life need to be informed. So we would be offering a disservice to not affirm those of you who have been so incredibly consistent in your generosity. Think about it. You don't have to look too far around this church to realize how incredibly generous and consistent this relatively small church family has been. Not only are we able to cover our daily expenses of the church, but we are at the tail end of an extremely successful year of launching our Grace Gate Bible School, which actually has cost us $14,000 plus this past year, all made possible from your generosity. Grace Gate, as uh, Mike told us earlier, is currently discipling people from 98 different nations. Talk about taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. Then on a monthly basis, we give to missions, which includes giving to a school called Up With Downs, a Down Syndrome school in a daycare, giving to a children's home called Morning Sun, where hundreds of sex trafficked kids are rescued and safely housed, fed, and ministered to, and many other outreaches to the elderly and to the homeless. And on top of all that, the building fund which is simply amazing to see how committed everyone is here to see this ministry get into their own building. Money is a good barometer on spirituality. Jesus clearly teaches that. Money more than any other single commodity is in our hands. Scripture teaches us on being faithful and unfaithful stewards. It talks about actually the repercussions about being an unfaithful steward. The stewardship of money is a critical area in our lives, and the Bible has a lot to say about it. Christians are faced with many decisions regarding money, how we feel about it, how we earn it, how we spend it, and how we give it. Giving is to be in response to a loving God out of our willing, thankful hearts towards him. So let's first consider the secular worldview on money. Explained as people who believe if they had enough money, they would be able to purchase freedom to do whatever they choose. Security, power, happiness, convenience, a future, and even options to choose any life that they want. However, the Bible warns us against loving money in 1 Timothy 6.10. says the love of money is the root of all evil. 
It warns us again trusting, against trusting in riches. That's in 1 Timothy 6, 17. It warns us about serving mammon. That's in Matthew 6, 24. And it warns us of being deceived by wealth. That's in Mark 4.19. As a matter of fact, there are over 2,000 scriptures in the Bible that speaks directly about money. And in many of Jesus' parables and stories, he addressed the deceitfulness of riches. Again, it would be a disservice to not preach this part of Jesus' teaching, to not give you this part of the gospel. The biblical view of money is this. Heaven sees money as a servant through which you are able to get things done that matter eternally. Heaven sees money as a test that you continually write. I should say that we continually write. A test of faithfulness, a test of selflessness, and a test to reveal greed and ambition. Heaven sees money as a means to worship God with, a means of being rich toward God instead of only rich toward self, an opportunity to show your faithfulness. Heaven sees money as a revealer of what you truly value. Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And finally, heaven sees money as earthly riches, but it does not see it as true riches. In other words, heaven sees money as riches, but sees true riches as something much more valuable than money. So then... According to scriptures, what would the difference be between earthly riches and true riches? Well, here are some definitions. Earthly riches is everything that you can accumulate, but you cannot take with you. And true riches is everything stored up for you when you get there. It's awesome. Matthew 6 19 and 20. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Number two, here's another difference. Earthly riches could lead to shipwrecked faith while true riches always result in genuine faith. Here in this next portion of scripture, Jesus draws a perfect dividing line between earthly riches and true riches. Revelations 3, 17 and 18, Jesus was addressing the church in Laodicea, and he said this, he said, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. 
I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Jesus clearly did not see them as they saw themselves. However, the very thing that blinded them to their true state of spiritual bankruptcy was that they had earthly wealth. Jesus rebukes them by calling them to see themselves as he sees them, which was as spiritually poor, blind, and naked. Because they relied on spiritual because they relied on material things, they could not fully rely on God. In an effort to clearly show you the difference between riches and true riches, I want to draw your attention to the first portion of verse 18, where Jesus says, I counsel you to buy from me gold, refined in the fire, so you can become rich. So here we see Jesus was pointing to himself and say, I am the one that can refine you. I am the one that you need to go to. Jesus clearly draws a line between their earthly wealth and the riches found in Christ alone. Number three, earthly riches could turn a wealthy man into a selfish fool, while true riches turn even the poor toward our holy God. In Luke 12, 16 through 21. I didn't know if that was going to be on the screen or not. Oh, it is. Okay. Jesus says, And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and then I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Earthly riches turn this man into a selfish fool. And Jesus here calls you and me to be rich towards God. In the New Testament, and again, again, I'm talking about the difference between earthly riches and true riches. Number four, in the New Testament, true riches, not riches, is a sign of his favor. In Ephesians 1, verse 7, it reads, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. So here we see that God's grace on your life is true riches. In Ephesians 1, 18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance 
in the saints. Hear God's calling on your life, having your eyes enlightened, and an eternal home in heaven is true riches. In, a, in Romans 11, verse 33, it reads, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Here we see God's wisdom, knowledge, and God's word and his ways are true riches. In Romans 9, 22 and 23, what if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory? God's mercy on your life, which is what God withholds, which causes God to withhold his wrath from you, are the true riches. In Romans 2.4, Or do you presume on the riches of his kingdom for forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Here we see that God's kindness towards you are true riches. And finally, in Ephesians 2.6 and 7, it reads, And raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. God's grace and God's kindness towards you are called immeasurable riches. Well, having seen the difference between earthly riches and true riches, I'd like to clearly outline what God would call us to, which is to reject the false promises mammon offers you. Number one, rejecting money's deceptive promise of getting from money what you can only get from God. Did you get that? Rejecting money's deceptive promise of getting from money what you can only get from God. We have to realize what money is not. Scripture teaches us that money is not a source of joy. The rich young ruler walked away from Jesus sad. Scripture teaches us that money is not a source of security. The wealthy man that we read about thought he was so secure when he tore down his old barns and built new ones. And then he had his future secured, only to find out that God was calling him home that night. Money is not a means of justification. And certainly money is not a means of hope. We need to reject the idea that money can secure for our free, secure you your freedom, security, power, happiness, and a future. But rather settle in your heart that those are only found in Christ Jesus. Number two, 
We need to reject money's deceptive premise that it is more important to gain the whole world than what it is to gain eternal life. In Mark 8, 36 and 37, it says, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give to return in return for his soul? So the conclusion here is, turn from being rich towards self. Repent and become rich towards God instead. And number three, in talking about what God would call us to, it is rejecting money's deceptive promise that money can do more for you than your obedience to Christ can do for you. In Mark 10, 17 to 21, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus was making the point that the rich young ruler was a slave to money and not a servant of God. The Bible says we cannot serve both. We either serve God or we serve mammon. And that's the point that Jesus was making. This is why the rich young ruler couldn't see that Christ's commands were more valuable than all the money he was trying to keep. Jesus wanted to give the rich young ruler true riches, but he was too attached to his money. That leads me to ask this question today. What is your relationship to wealth? Is money your servant, or are you its slave? Do you worship God with the first fruits of all your increase? Or do you worship mammon like the rich young ruler did? I want to ask you another question. How does God want us to give? Well, one, way, one thing I do know, he does not want us to give out of coercion. He doesn't want us to give out of compulsion. And he doesn't want us to give out of manipulation. These are all emotions that can be stirred up inside of us and make us give. And that's an abomination to the Lord. What he does want us to do is give cheerfully. 
And we see that in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. He wants us to give consistently. That's in 1 Corinthians 16, 2 and 3. God wants us to give generously. That's in 2 Corinthians 9, 11. And finally, God wants us to give sacrificially. That's in Mark 12, 43 and 44. I think we're all familiar with the widow with the two mites. Now listen, we've already established the fact in this church that this is a generous, consistent church that gives cheerfully. But I want to call you to action in one more thing. Money makes a wonderful servant, but a horrible master. True riches are not determined by money, but by the fact that God has placed his love on you in sending his son to redeem you. So I want to call us to repent from having, or if we have had, an ungodly relationship with mammon. I mean, isn't it ironic that all of the true riches were given to us as believers for free? Yet the world system says you must work your entire life to be rich. You see, in the kingdom of heaven, mammon or money is on the bottom. But on the worldly system, they see money as on the top. We've got one shot at this, on this side of eternity, to give back to God something that we can never be equal. He's given us more than we can ever give him. We'll never be able to outgive God. And we're certainly not going to try, once we're in eternity, say, okay, now I'll give. That's not going to happen. So today I would like to just close in prayer and ask God uh, to help us grab all these warnings and all these teachings on this subject and help us realize that, you, that the money he puts in your hands is a test to really to see what you would do with it. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we thank you, God, for scriptures that teach us how to be faithful, how to be good stewards of your money. We thank you, God, that you have given us strength and power and wisdom, Lord, on how to, to operate in this worldly system. I pray, God, that we would never be tempted to be unrighteous, with what you've put in our hands and be unfaithful. We thank you, God, for, for these teachings. And we ask you, Lord, that you would continually show us how to properly discern from you what true riches and riches are. In Jesus' name, amen.